0: The master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine. John chapter 2, verse 9. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Everyone pays close attention to the first actions of a new leader. Whether it's the CEO of a company, and the investors are watching, what's he going to do? or a new president, or a new pastor of a church, or whatever. When someone's doing the first thing, they're like, well, what's, what's going to set the pace, the, set the stage for what's to come? Just so with Jesus' uh, first public uh, miracle in his, his ministry, just recently begun after being anointed by the Holy Spirit at the baptism of John. This is his first act, and John mysteriously calls it a sign, the first of his signs. You could even translate that word, symbol. Right? There's this um, symbolic communication in the act that Jesus does here. Of course, the act itself reveals, is the first of the revelations. Well, I shouldn't say the first. The first public revelation of who he really is as God, right? Who has the power to augment matter itself, right? His are the hands through whom the world was made so he can make water into wine. No problem for him because he's God. So there's an identity revelation in it. But God could have chosen to reveal his power on any matter. Why water and wine? Why at a wedding? This was intentional communication for then and for now, for all time. What it communicates um, is the quality of the ministry that Jesus is here to do. That it's a ministry of transformation. right? Taking one thing and turning it into something new. I think there's sort of two profund, profound um, realities that jesus' is, uh, will transform kind of in this symbolic communication. The first is did you notice how the Holy Spirit speaking through Saint John sort of accented where the water came from? It was for the Jew- these stone jars for the Jewish rites of purification right so right away we're, we're thinking, okay, Jewish rites of purification this is this sort of daily symbol of the covenant of the law. right? This um, mo- a degree of moral purity attained through external actions that are so temporary. Think about what the writer of the Hebrews says. You know, if the blood of bulls could take away sins, you wouldn't have to do it year after year, but the whole nature of the old covenant was you had to do it all the time because it wasn't efficacious in itself. Right? You had to keep making the sacrifices. You had to keep washing your hands and washing your vessels and doing all these things, these external things, to create a momentary and temporary purity before God that wasn't transformative, that wasn't lasting. Jesus takes that water and he turns it into wine. We can't hear wine without thinking of all the ways in in which wine will present itself in the Gospels. When Jesus teaches about the the New Covenant and he says it's like new wine in new wineskins. I think, as readers of the Gospel, that connection is apparent. The wine that he would use as a symbol of his blood. So we have here sort of a picture of Jesus saying, the covenant with God has previously been established with law. It's now going to be established by grace. By the gift that he gives us of himself, Right at the culmination of his earthly ministry when he dies for the sins of the whole world, then, now, for all time, yours, mine. And that's the gospel, that it's now a free gift, that there's not this external washing, wash your hands, wash the vessels. It's no, sin has actually been taken care of once and for all through himself. And that is a transformation of a covenant, right? There was this covenant with God and his people, but it gets transformed, no longer just something sort of external, a momentary cleansing, but something actually that now you take into yourself. Right, water, purifying water, you just wash your hands with, wash your vessels. Um, wine, you drink. It actually goes inside of you and your body assimilates it. Right? You actually take this in and it becomes a part of you. What a symbol for the way the covenants differ. Right Now in Christ Jesus, he actually has come inside of us and actually has become a part of us, the way by analogy, the way the body receives and digests wine. And The the, the layers of um, communication here are several. Wine, as it says in Proverbs, it gladdens the hearts of men. Like, water will keep you going, but wine gladdens the hearts of men. And I think it's important, I think, to say um, that that's not a euphemism for getting drunk. It's a description of that feeling after a big glass of wine at a feast with friends or family and that sense of like everything just glows a little bit and the, the world feels like oh, it's going to be okay and that, that joy that comes from a big glass of wine that's the gladdening of the heart of men what a great symbol for the gospel that once it's received once you hear and believe the message that Jesus really has reconciled you to God the Father it's kind of like a big glass of wine and this motif recurs through the New Testament what did the crowds think when the apostles were preaching in the power of the Spirit? Are they drunk? right? And it says elsewhere, don't be drunk on wine, be filled with the Spirit. There's a quality of sort of the the gladness of heart and spiritual warmth that comes from the new covenant that was never possible under the old covenant. That's like water in comparison. Jesus transforms the covenant of law into a covenant of gift, a covenant of grace in himself. And in that covenant, he transforms sinners into saints. Right? And the the picture is—I mean, if you ever look in like a Bible dictionary, these thirty gallons. Think of a fifty-gallon drum, right? Think of a you know half of that, twenty to thirty gallons, carved out of stone, be fixed out. That they're these giant, cold, sort of tomb-like things, and there's this cold water in it, and Jesus scoops out scoops us out of there and presents us to the Master of the Feast, which I think is a picture here for God the Father. It says in 1 Corinthians um, 15 that Jesus takes the kingdom of the ransomed, us, and presents us to God the Father. It's, like, it's almost an echo of this act of this, this drink being presented to the Master of the Feast in Galilee. And the transformation, I think it's as with, uh, the more I pay attention to the miracles in the Gospels, the more baffling they, come, they become sort of to the, kind of the logistical analysis, right? Like it's like the things which we just, we hear, we hear it as facts, like he, he took five loaves and he made 5,000. Yeah, but when? When did the five actually sort of spawn into 5,000? Was it when he lifted it up? Was it when the disciples were carrying it? The Gospel doesn't say. We don't know exactly when it happened. All we know is that it began with five loaves and then 5,000 people ate. It's the same thing with this. It's not clear when the water becomes wine. I'd always, I think as a kid, I'd always thought that Jesus transformed like all the water in the jar. It doesn't strike, I don't think that's actually probably how it was. There seems to be this mysterious quality of, it's scooped out as water and on route somewhere, it's not clear that the servants knew. It seems almost like the servants think they're presenting water to the Master of the Feast. But when the Master drinks it, at that point it has become wine. So when does the transition happen? Who knows? But somewhere between the basin of the vessel and the lips of the Master of the Feast, the change happened. What a picture of sanctification, right? When do we become, just sort of, when do we go from just regular sinners like the rest of mankind to saints as we prayed in the collect who are shining with the glory of Christ? Um, nerdy footnote, all halos in art are always considered... There's only one person who properly wears a halo, Christ. And so when a a figure in religious art has a halo, it's a way of saying Christ is in them. Humans don't glow. Only Christ glows. But Christ in us causes the radiance of his glory to shine forward. So when are we transformed from sinners into saints... It's kind of hard to tell, but it's in the process of a thousand, thousand days of prayer and seeking his face and hearing from his word and seeking to obey his will and accept the cross that he's permitted us to carry in different seasons. The thousand, thousand of those, somewhere between the coldness of the tomb-like vessel and the lips of the master of the feast, we're changed. Thanks be to him. And the figure here, is that we gladden the heart of God, that in being changed by Christ Jesus, God the Father is gladdened by us the way we would be by a delicious glass of wine, that there's joy in Him because of Christ's work in us. Lastly, how can we hear wine and not think of the communion table? And, you know, it's one of the things that presents itself to the intellect from faith of how does, how does God change wine that we bought from Kroger to be his eternal blood? Well, I don't know how he does it. How does he change water into wine? Like the gospel shows God just does these things. But he does do it. He changes Kroger wine, or he could change any wine, um, into, in a spiritual way, a way beyond sense perceptible only by faith, into the actual blood of his son Jesus, which is actually the best wine, right? Whereas we have to be cautious about actual wine to not have too much of it, we're called to be filled with the Spirit, and many of the church fathers talk about, in a spiritual sense, being inebriated by the joy of the gospel of being forgiven by Jesus and being washed with his blood and filled with his life as we imbibe him spiritually, but really in Holy Communion. And, the, and I think, think St. Bernard is one who has a whole sermon about it. Like, it's like, um, be drunk on this spiritual wine. Let the influence of Jesus Christ himself living in you through his own blood now being absorbed into your body and soul, let it make you glad and be so transformed that the world is sort of confused. Like, you know, we have that friend, like, what's he drinking? How wonderful to say, the blood of Christ. That's why my life looks like this. Thanks be to God for the best wine of all, the blood of his Son.